Welcome to the Upside Podcast, powered by Upside Global and hosted by Julian Blinn, founder and CEO of Upside Global. The Upside Podcast is listened to weekly by over 6,000 sports and tech executives from all sports leagues and teams in the United States and around the world. Julian has been developing technologies for professional sports teams for over 10 years and has worked for major tech companies along with sports tech startups. In each episode, Julian interviews global leaders in sports to share knowledge on emerging technology in the sports industry and how these technologies can help improve the performance of individuals and organizations both on and off the playing field. And now here's your host, Julian Blinn. So today as part of our podcast series, we have the honor to interview again Dr. Ron Dick, Associate Professor of Sports Marketing at Duquesne University in the School of Business. So as a reminder, Ron has worked for 20 years in sports, including 15 years in the NBA with the Sixers and the Nets, and five years in the NCAA. So Ron, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Julian. Happy to be with you today. Great. So Ron, uh, you know, what I want to cover is first, you know, you, you've got to talk about the Tom Brady second retirement. You know, was it a good move for him to do another year or not? Uh, and then we'll talk about your predictions for the Super Bowl, who's going to win. Uh, and then we'll talk about the MLB luxury tax payroll hitting $5.2 billion in record revenue this year. Uh, and then we'll talk about the uh, Scott Rowland Hall of Fame announcements. And then we'll cover the uh, the Leaf Golf League, you know, what's new there. Uh, and then we'll discuss Djokovic. Uh, the tennis pair won his 10th Australian Open tennis and 22nd Grand Slam. And then lastly, and I know that's a topic close to your heart, we'll talk about uh, the Duquesne men's hoop game that got interrupted by uh, Uber delivery guys. So you can tell us what happened there and, and so on. So how does it sound? Sounds great, Julian. Let's do it. Great. So first topic, uh, you know, this week on Wednesday, uh, Tom Brady, who won a record seven Super Bowls and five Super Bowls MVPs during a 23-year career with the Patriots and the Buccaneers, announced his second NFL retirement. He said, I'm done for good this time. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think he played uh, the year that he played this year was just too much and he should have retired last year? Uh, he went through a divorce. Uh, he lost 15 pounds this year. So I think he was under a lot of stress. So w- what is your take on the whole the whole thing with Tom Brady? Well, I think it's definitely time to retire. I, I don't think coming back again would uh, do him or any other NFL team any good. He yeah. uh, he had a pedestrian year. He defied the odds of father time for way longer than most people ever have. He's probably the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, you'd have to ask him and his wife, you know, was it worth the extra year? It seemed to be a breaking point for her. And, you know, there's rumors that he, he didn't like the fact that he couldn't announce his retirement a year ago, that somehow it leaked out. He confided yeah. in her. He told one friend and that friend told three other friends and, you know, just pyramided out into leaking out. And that really bothered him for some reason. Uh, I don't know. I, I always thought neither one of them really wanted it, the, the divorce. But, you know, that that's uh, what happens behind behind closed doors is something that none of us will ever know. As far as his ability, no, he'll be first ballot Hall of Fame, of course, in five years. And you know, it, it, he did not have a good year. And I don't believe that next year would be a good year either as far as playing. Yeah, there was reports saying that he might be uh, I think the 49ers were interested uh, to get him for one more year. And then. Oh, okay. um, and that was his home, and that's where he grew up, and that was his team rooting yeah. as a child. 
a really young young uh, guy uh, for Joe Montana in the 80s, early 80s, mid 80s. But he uh, he supposedly has this Tony Romo type deal sitting on the table to do. Uh, I guess he'd be not play by play. Of course, he'd be color analyst. But now all of a sudden, you, you got to give Tony Romo credit. Uh, the luster's kind of fallen off his star, and he uh, he's becoming a little bit pedestrian. And and I and I really like Tony. I, I think he still brings an insight. But he locked himself up to a long term deal doing the color analyst for the NFL games. And how do we know that Tom Brady's going to be really good at this? Right? I think you're taking out, I think Fox is I, taking out big bet, right? It's a 10-year contract. Michael, yeah. Has Michael Jordan been a great general manager? I think the numbers would show that it's not. You know, yeah. Just because he was a great quarterback, will, will he be a great uh, commentator, giving us inside information about what's going to happen the way Tony Romo used to do? Uh, I, I don't know that, but obviously somebody thinks he will be, and they're going to pay the three the three hundred seventy five million to take a look at him. That's a lot of money. I mean, to take a big bet on him. I mean, it's a he's a big name, right? So maybe they can use his image and and brand recognition to attract more viewers. I don't know, but I think he's, I don't think he's bad. He's got a podcast. I think he's doing a decent job there. Okay, so okay, so there is some there is some material out there and content that that he's been good at that. Yeah, I think. If you want to lighten him up a little bit, maybe you put Gronk with him too. Yeah, that'd be that'd be uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, off their um, side, Brady. Yep. Uh, well, you know, second topic. You know, we are I think in about ten days we're going to have the Super Bowl, right? And yeah. uh, the Chiefs are going to play the Eagles, and I think you that was your predi- a prediction. If I remember correctly, I, I think if we go back and listen to the podcast, I was Notre Dame on that, and. Uh, yeah, well, guess what? They also were one of the top teams preseason two, and they were both the top seeds of each yeah. conference. So I don't think you have to have too much knowledge to take a shot and pick one of those two. But it's it's an interesting. A lot of things are happening, shaking out from that Cincinnati Bengal loss in Kansas yeah. City. For example, the, the player uh, Joseph Osi, he uh, made that late hit on the sidelines to Patrick Mahomes, and that moved the ball up another 15 yards. They got the uh, field goal in place for uh, Butker, and uh, he still got to make the field goal, and, and he did. But mm-hmm. some of his teammates were yelling at him and things, and they later apologized. Uh, a person by the name of Jermaine Pratt apologized to him that I shouldn't have yelled at you like that. B.J. Hill supported him in the post-game press conferences, you know, and, and many of your listeners have played sports in high school or college or even little league. Like we win as a team, we lose as a team. Yes. Was it a boneheaded mistake? Was it something he regrets for probably the absolutely the rest of his life? Yes, it is. But you know, he, he had a, had a great game up until that point. And he uh, was actually getting kudos from the play-by-play and color guys that were doing the analysis. So, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, uh, it was a very tough break for the Bengals and their fans. What about the uh, the 49ers-Eagles game, right? I mean, some people are – first of all, the, the, the 49ers, they lost their, qu- their young quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Third in the game. Back. Got injured, yes. Yeah, and then uh, I think the first catch, I think the first touchdown from the Eagles, some people are saying that it wasn't legal. Like, they should not have uh, given them the touchdown. So. Well, it, well, it wasn't a touchdown, but it got them near the goal line. And, uh, you know, guess what? That's what you have the red flag for. Throw the red flag. Yeah. He 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 jumped up. They what do they call him? The Thin Reaper and uh, number six. He's uh, Smith. He's he's quite a player from Alabama. Won the Heisman in college, but mm-hmm. uh, 
he rushed. Let's get started. He had some sort of a hand gesture where he put his one hands. Catch. Yeah. yeah. So, one catch. Yeah. I may have bobbled that. I may have bobbled that a little bit. So they rushed the line. They snapped it. Well, you can throw the red flag and have them look at it. If you believe that, that, that it was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it, the problem. So that happened. Uh, we have another conspiracy that they wanted the Kelsey brothers to be there. And uh, Jason Kelsey, of course, is the center from the Eagles. And Travis Kelsey is the tight end for the Chiefs. And uh, let's be clear about this. They're both going to make the Hall of Fame. They're outstanding. They will not be playing against each other since they're both on offense. And their mom has some sort of shirt that goes half Eagles, half Kansas City. So that kind of a plot. And then and how can we forget the great Andy Reid, who has, like, more wins in the playoffs than any other coach in the history of the Eagles. And yeah. – he got to the Super Bowl with the Eagles, and they lost. And now he's going back against his his own team. And I think there's five players that were on the Super Bowl Eagle team that that won uh, against the Patriots with the Philly mm-hmm. special. Only five left from uh, from 18. So that's uh, that's pretty interesting too. It's kind of the subplot, the game within the the Andy Reid game, the Kelsey bowl they have all sorts of names for it but it's going to be exciting on february 12th on a sunday at 6 30 at night yeah and, and what do you think is going to win then do you think the eagles or the chiefs or i certainly hope the eagles win uh okay. I, 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 i'm not sure i have no idea who's going to win i have no idea so we'll see that should be a good uh a good super bowl i hope um i think really good and we of course we always get those new uh those new advertisers coming oh in. yeah get the new commercials we uh we it's a global sport uh, game that everybody's watching around the world so all the national sponsors will have a presence and it's one of the few tv uh advertising is still worth it yeah no you're right um and the halftime show i think is always you know it's always fun to watch oh absolutely uh, beyonce again yeah no, uh, no, uh it's rihanna rihanna again excuse me oh is it okay i mean that should be fun so hey next topic let's talk about the mlb so the total MLB player compensation reached a new high in 2022. The payments to players dropped uh, top $5 billion for the first time, reaching $5.2 billion. It right. was up from $4.5 billion the year before. Now, right. six teams made the luxury tax uh, payment for exceeding the $230 million payroll thresh, uh, threshold led right. by the uh, LA Dodgers with a $32.4 million bill. So... What are your thoughts on that? Are you surprised that um, you know we uh, we reached that level as far as the, the yeah? I am, I am surprised. Uh, the TV money must the ratings and, and the, the money we get from the national deal must must be uh, much more lucrative than was originally reported. And the ticket sales is pretty much the same, if not slightly declining. So if you look at all the revenue streams, we must be getting stronger in the uh, the Asian market and in the European market. As yeah. far as people watching the games, we know attendance is flat. It's not up. So mm-hmm. where where is this money coming from? Historically, it would only be like the Yankees or the Red Sox that would go over, and they would only go slightly over the luxury tax that you those teams have to then pay into that some of the teams, uh, we do not have a floor how much money you have to spend because there's certain teams that have been under that if there was a floor, such as uh, the Pirates the Orioles and the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks have had, had very low payroll and the Oakland A's, but they seem to be competitive with Billy being there. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, 
it's something that, yeah, I think it's very surprising that they're going over and they're not even hesitating to go over. I mean, these owners either they don't need to make turn a profit. Maybe these MLB owners look at how much the value of their team's going up and how much they have been able to uh, offset it with other revenue streams or, or they don't mind if they lose money for a couple of years. They can just, you know, their egos get involved. And this is the way it used to be back in the day. Their egos would get involved. They're like, look, I, I want to go to the owner's meeting to say, hey, my team beat your team. And, uh, you know, I'm better at doing this than you are. <laughs> you know, so yeah. so that's be the way. they're going back to that again, since they're all worth about $2 billion each, at least, these MLB teams. Yeah, well, that's a lot of money. That's for sure. But that money um, gets in a pill. It gets put in the coffers. And then some of the teams that don't, spend as much they get a piece of that now yeah i know that spend that on payroll not pocket it but you know some teams pocket the money and that's where the bad feelings start with uh you know you got to be competitive you can't you got to give your your fans hope that they have a chance of being competitive yeah and if you're an oakland a fan then it's tough right because you got a smaller budget than most of the other teams right and you play in an I think antiquated building would be fair, Oakland Coliseum. So, you know, your yep. team's struggling, your facility's not very uh, new uh, and accommodating. So, you know, that's a problem. Yep, that's for sure. Hey, uh, next topic, still talking about the uh, MLB. So uh, Scott Rowland's Hall of Fame announcements. Uh, what is your take on um, on this? Scott Rowland came up and was drafted by the Phillies. He's from a rural area of Indiana, I think South Indiana, mm-hmm. Southern. And uh, the, I don't know that he was overly happy in Philadelphia with the media and whatever else there was, but he was offered a seven year, $140 million contract when his deal was up. And that was a ton of money at the time, 20 million a year. And he turned yeah. it down. He went, agency and he went to the Cardinals, which of course that's the nature of the, the relationship between the players union and the and the owners. He I don't I don't mean to diminish anyone's accomplishment, but I think we're starting to get to the point because there's such a low amount of players that are eligible for uh the Hall of Fame right now. When did we start putting in really good players? Uh you know 18 homers a year 75 RBIs a year that's a really good season but i don't know if it's hall of fame worthy i saw some of the interviews and he's a real family guy and he got to finish up uh, he went to uh, toronto and then finish up to the closest team to his home uh, cincinnati and he played a long time and and he was, he did get the ring in 06 with Paul Hulse and david freeze played out of his mind uh, some other cardinals uh, molina but you know at the same time I, wow i mean his first time he was on the ballot, he got 10.2% of the vote. 10.2. Nobody mm-hmm. has the gap to getting to the, the needed 75%. I think he got a little over 76. They started that low. And I think those writers that saw him back when he was first eligible, they probably got it right. But we get really caught up in this whole quantitative, quantum numbers, as opposed to the eye test and qualitative um, mm-hmm. This whole thing called war uh, wins against replacement. I guess he did very well in that. He talked about running the bases and how he ran the bases hard. And, you know, unless you're Lou Brock, Maury Wills or Ricky Henderson, I don't I don't know running the bases hard puts you in the Hall of Fame. But it is a lot of uh, I have a lot of people that are surprised by it. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that seems to be something that has happened. And and uh, 
Fred McGriff got into crime dog and he was outstanding both at fielding and hitting. And he too won a world series. So I, I see McGriff. I, I don't necessarily see Roland, but Hey, you know what? That's the way the committee went. The writers are going that way and that's the way it's going to stay. Yeah. You know, and talking about the auto fame, uh, one of my friend, Roger Craig, right. We play for the 49ers. Yes. He still hasn't been called for the Hall of fame. He's been trying for years and years and years. And yeah, I don't know if you're ever going to make the cut. But I don't know how they make those, I guess, they select the people who are going to make the Hall of Fame. But uh, sometimes it seems weird the way they um, they pick the, you know, the nominees. So. And Roger was really good. I mean, Roger, yeah. I, I, I was old enough to remember Roger. He was one of the first guys that you could really hand the ball off to and run hard and also pass it to him. He was in that West Coast offense, they called it. Yeah. Uh, Bill Walsh uh, started that in particular with the 49ers and had a ton of success. Uh, Jerry Rice was definitely Hall of Fame, Montana. Yeah. I, I don't know if Roger Craig was. I don't know. I don't know. You don't, if he think, you don't know? I don't know that he played long enough. But he played 11 seasons, I think. Yeah. 11 seasons in the NFL. And where he is on the all-time list of rushing yards and receptions. He's he's looked upon maybe as a, a watered-down Marshall Falk um, type of guy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, still, obviously, very good player. Very good. And has yeah, money. Has a number of rings. Yep, that's right. Um, hey, let, let's talk about golf now. So, um, you know, we talked the last time about the, the Leaf Golf League. That seems like they're making some progress, and I think they're here to stay. Uh, what's What happened with the league recently? Can you give us an update on that? Yeah, some of the things I learned was the uh, uh, Sebastian Munoz uh, signed with, uh, and he's one of the best players in golf. He won uh, the PGA recently. He also yep. was 2-0-1 in the President's Cup. And uh, they just signed a, a pretty big TV deal. And uh, the season starts in two weeks in Mexico. So so they're here to stay. Uh, I think anybody that likes the, the, the live, they need to like, not put on the golf channel. You need not to listen mm-hmm. to the, the analysts yeah. <laughs> because they're inherently biased group of guys, of uh, group of people, because they feel threatened. You know, when do people lash out? When they feel threatened. And uh, they've definitely made uh, some roads and they're going nowhere. So they are here to stay. And uh, it's turned golf upside down on its head. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, another piece of news and report that says that Saudi Arabia, right, the, the people behind the Leave Golf League, are now looking to buy. Uh, Formula One, the Formula One League for $20 billion, right? Wow. So that's wow. a lot of money. Um, on a side note also, something we didn't talk about, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the best players, he won like multiple uh, Ballon d'Or, right? Signed with the uh, this club in Saudi Arabia, El Nassar, and he's, gonna, he's getting paid $200 million a season. $200 million a season. Which, you wow. know, people say it's done, it's pretty much done, but anyway, there's so much money in Saudi Arabia these days with, you know, unlimited resources. And, you know, they start with golf. Uh, now they're also investing in soccer teams in Europe, like Newcastle, as an example. Now they're looking to maybe expand into Formula One. So I think they have a big appetite, you know, uh, for sports. Now, for why? For what reasons? There's multiple theories, right? One is that they're maybe trying to change their image, you know, uh, about Saudi Arabia and, but, you know, who knows? But uh, anyway, what, what is your take on, I guess, Saudi Arabia investing in, in 
many, many different types of sports and, and you know, like Formula One, maybe. Well, they've always been in, to, to my knowledge, the, G, the G20 or the G8 as one of the wealthiest countries in the world. As, yeah. Uh, all the oil and gas that they have. Uh, this certainly makes them mainstream. It certainly makes them more, uh, what's the word, palatable, more acceptable, more more uh, mainstream. Again, you know, more, yep. more um, in people's mind, uh, get, get away from the cultural differences that we all have. Uh, and uh, it seems to be working, you know, and, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Uh, it, it. It seems to be something that is very acceptable. So, uh, if that's the goal of the country uh, mm-hmm. to do that, I think uh, they've made some real inroads in that. And, and this is, I mean, I never thought that they were infatuated with golf. You know, if they want to go into, yeah. they want to go into auto racing or they want to go into tennis, like maybe that's where they're going to go. It was never a personal yeah. thing. EGA, really. But I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they expand into other leagues and buy other leagues. And that, I don't think that would surprise anybody at this point. Not at all. Not at all. Right. Not surprised. Uh, so, we, you know, we just talked actually about tennis. But last weekend, uh, Novak Djokovic is 35 years old now, uh, number four in the world. He won his 10th Australian Open tennis and a record tying 22 Grand Slam wins. I think Nadal's got 21 uh, Grand Slam wins as well. Uh, he beat the number three in the world, Stefano Tsitsipas, in the finals. And he's right. going to become the number one, uh, you know, player in the world again. Uh, right. One thing that that he said was um, it was en- essentially a return from his COVID ban in Australia last year, and he said, "quote It was the biggest victory of my life." So, what what is your take on? First of all, were you surprised that he won again, and was it his biggest big, the biggest victory of his life? Uh, he's had a lot of victories, so I, I'm I'm not really yeah. prepared to see which one's the greatest. Uh, yeah. And uh, Nadal is still, uh, he did not participate, you said, because he was injured, right? But uh, Mm -hmm. certainly uh, going after more and more championships. So uh, my question would be, where's all the young superstar tennis players, the guys that are between age 20 and 30? (laughs) They're supposed to take the crown away from him. If Tom Brady's gotten too old now at 45, then then where are the young stud tennis players? guys that they're going to challenge him as he's 34 35 36 years old so uh, you said he was number four going into it so those top three guys i mean they're they're going to eventually uh surface what's next paris the u.s open the uh, french open is that the next one french open is the next one and then you've got wimbledon and then the u.s open so that's right what's so, gonna be, yeah the next one is france the french so open. That, yeah. and that's a different type of surface right nadal's great that's at that the surface. clay yeah red clay that's where nadal is very strong and a lot of people believe that he's going to retire there because right. that's probably going to be his last year right right so, so, so the surface uh, means a lot you know the speed of it. it's very fast right uh, clay is very fast grass is the slowest well actually uh well so clay is very slow because it's uh, with the, the clay on the ball now, Wim- Wimbledon is very fast because it's like grass. It's like playing oh, okay. on a carpet, you know. Okay. Um, so, uh, but I think you asked earlier, you know, what about the young guys? And I think like CC Pass and um, there's a whole generation of young guys. But I think, think. so Roger, Roger Federer is gone. Nadal is pretty much is going to be gone after this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Djokovic is still standing, right? 
right. and one thing about him is that he's he's got he's very he takes very good care of himself the food what he eats uh -huh. he's got like special juices that he drinks in the morning uh, I think he's vegan. Like he's really, you know, he's 35, but he's in great shape for a 35 year old. So I think uh, he's here to stay. I could see him play maybe two or three more years and he's going to crush the record, right? He's probably going to be like maybe 20, you know, 24, 25, 26 Grand Slam wins. He'll be the by far, right. I guess, the, the best. So it's, uh, he's not finished. So it's tough for the younger guys. They have lots of talent, but until he's there, he's still going to fight. And he still had a great chance to win every every single big tournament. So it does seem like athletes are playing longer and more productive years than ever before. And nutrition, training, all oh, that yeah. part. I mean, look at LeBron. You know, you can be a LeBron supporter or a detractor. Uh, you have to. I mean, he's a physical specimen, and he's still a very very good player. He's been a pro at 18 years old in 2003, right? So yeah. he's been 20 years in the league. And uh, the fact that he's still playing at this level at 38 years old is pretty impressive. A lot of miles on those tires. And he's still, he's still and he playing. he wants to play with his son, right? He still wants to play with one of his sons. So he was going to hang out until, until they can play even in the NBA, right? I've heard, I've heard that. Yeah. Um, so it seems like those guys are, like you said, they're in better shape. They really take good care of themselves and the, the nutrition. And so it's. You know, it's not surprising. Um, hey, last topic of the day, uh, and I know it's it's a topic close to your heart. So on January 25th, you know, during the basketball game between Duquesne University and uh, Loyola, uh, I think Chicago, uh -huh. a delivery man from Uber Eats showed up on the court trying mm -hmm. to hand over his bag of McDonald's to someone, uh, right. you know, in the stadium. So what really happened there? And he got, I think he said he got like one million views on, so on his social media channels. Right. Right. So I was at the game and it was in the far right corner. So I didn't get a real good look at it. I could see that someone was close to the court. Yeah. Uh, there's two ends to the basketball court at our, at our place, the, uh, the Cooper UPMC Cooper field house, uh, the, the side near our bench into our locker room is very secure. The other side where the student section is the, uh, the mascot, the dancers, yep cheerleaders, the visiting team. It, it seems to be a little loosey-goosey down there and people are coming. Mm -hmm. and, and some people sit courtside and, and they either have a ticket for courtside or they don't. And I don't know if people are checking or, or, or how that all works, but that's where he yeah. came in. I saw him walking around with a yellow jacket on that looked like he might be from Uber or Uber yeah. Eats or something. And he had a bag and it was a stunt. It was it was all premeditated. He had a buddy with him and his buddy videotaped the whole thing. So it was captured. So that to me means premeditation. And yeah. one of the players, uh, the Loyola Chicago team had the ball and their best player. And he stepped onto the court where he was. And you see the referee violently moving his right hand going, get out, get out, get off the court, get off. And I really wonder if the player from Loyola Chicago that looked at him, who was the leading scorer in the game, yeah. looked at him. He had just dribbled right to him, right toward him, toward the baseline. Yeah. What are the referees supposed to do? Like, it, it, you, you blow the whistle dead, you do a do-over? Like, what, what do you yeah. do? Do you technical to the home team? Where's security? And um, he just was trying to get attention. And then our commentators, uh, Tim Benz and uh, – uh, Cannon, 
Ennis Cannon, they looked at it and they made quite a big deal about it. Like, cause it was stunning to see for the first time. Yeah. So I believe that, you know, some people said that that could, that only happens here. Like it can't, it, it could happen anywhere. I mean, it really, well, I was going to ask you that has it ever happened anywhere in cottage sports that a guy, you know, well, I mean, back the in the day, I had one of my colleagues say, what, what would happen? A guy would just go streaking, you know, in sneakers, wearing nothing but his sneakers across the field. You know, that used to be the thing in maybe the 70s, 80s, 90s. Now it's all about social media. So the funny part was when it was all over, like nobody got harmed in it. Yeah. Uh, thank God. And we actually, it really got Duquesne going. We came roaring back and actually won the game. And we were down at halftime quite a bit. So that was a sidebar. But as nice. I was driving home, I saw him and his buddy walking down the street and I wanted to test to see if it was a stunt or not. So yeah. I rolled down in 25 degree weather and yeah. I yelled, though, hey, there's the Uber guy. Well, they jumped out of their skin and, and they, they were just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously it was mission accomplished. Julian, it was on Good Morning America the next. I know. Morning. I saw I mean, that. This is national news possibly global news all over social media and this young guy has a social media page and he got a million hits so he got exactly what he wanted and then yep. Uber got some nice publicity so <laughs> i i don't know it's a crazy time we live in with social media social media like you said right i mean i think 10 20 years ago there was no social media so everything changed with them and it, and and we're just going to tighten things up a little bit on that, especially on that end of the court. Our next home game is the eighth of February, and I got a feeling things are going to look a little different at the UPMC Cooper Fieldhouse. Nice, but you know, actually, I want to bring my son to a college basketball game. I'm looking at you know some other teams in New York, so it's no, it'd be uh, great. Yeah, I think uh, it'll be fun to go. Not just NBA games, but also college sports. I think it's fun too. So, look, we're we at the end of the, the podcast interview, but I want to thank you as always. Thank you. Thank you, Julian. I really enjoyed it. Great. Well, have Good a great day. day. You too now. Thanks. Thank you for listening. To access past episodes and other research, articles, and analysis of sports technology, please visit our website, theupside.us. Subscribe to the Upside newsletter and receive full access to our sports tech business letter and website. Royalty-free music is provided by ibaudio.com. The Upside podcast provides timely insights and interviews with global leaders in sports technology. Until next time, keep looking to the Upside.